Hello and welcome to the Desert Tiger Podcast. I am your host here on the DTP. My name is Colton G and this week on the show, Davy White and Pterodactyl Problems are out to prove that rock and roll is a drag. What exactly does that mean? Well, you're going to get a little description of that coming up very soon, but of course, before we get there, there's a few things we have to go ahead and do first. So, thanks to those of you who went and checked out last week's episode of the podcast, is I was joined by Canadian rock and roll and punk rock legend, Biff Naked as we discuss the 20th year anniversary of the Lilith Fair, as well as Biff's epic career in music, and a few other things along the way, like an upcoming book of poetry that she has coming out. If you missed that episode, you can find it in our backlog, as well as about oh a, over 80 other amazing episodes. Also, before we go ahead and kick things off today, I want to go ahead and mention to you that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by ILoveDTP.com. Why is that? That's because over at ILoveDTP.com, that's where you are going to go ahead and grab yourself some Desert Tiger Podcast merch so that you can rep the show everywhere you go. Today's episode is also brought to you by XYZ. XYZ. It's a clever way of me saying that your ad could go here in this spot. Email me over at desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com and we'll discuss how more about how you can become the next XYZ. Alright! Davy White and pterodactyl problems are out to prove that rock and roll is a drag, but not in the way that you think. No, this party goes far too hard for it to be considered tedious or slow by any means. Combining their sonic blend of jazzy blues-infused metal and rock with a DJ-curated dance party and some of the East Coast's finest drag queens, rock and roll as drag is just one of the many key swoops that pterodactyl problems plans on making in their quest to revive rock and roll from the edges of extinction. The group, which started as a high school connection of like minds with different influences, just couldn't lie down and fossilize after the members would reconnect a few years after graduating, finally releasing the songs they wrote when they were teenagers, then evolving with new music, which can be found on their latest album, Esoteric Hobbies, which we are also going to discuss today. Today on the show, I'm joined by Davey White, lead singer and rhythm guitarist of Pterodactyl Problems, and we are going to discuss what brought this high school band back together, their latest album, Esoteric Hobbies, and what went into its creation, and of course, the most rocking badass party that you may possibly ever find in the TO. All of this and more, including a few tracks off of Esoteric Hobbies, 
on today's episode of the podcast and this first track actually happens to be the first song off of esoteric hobbies it's a song that pterodactyl problems released a music video for earlier this year in february which is a fantastic watch might i add it's also something you're going to be hearing about later on in today's episode of the desert tiger podcast this is paresthesia
DTP fam, we are here with Davey White. Davey White is the vocalist and the guitarist, um, rhythm guitarist, I guess you would say, of Pterodactyl Problems, located of, out of Toronto, Ontario. And they want you to know that rock and roll is a drag, but of course we're going to get into that a bit later. How's it going today, Davey? Hey man, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. A little, little sleepy, my feet are a little bit cold, but... uh. But I'm pretty pretty darn good. <laughs> a little bit sleepy, but I guess those cold feet might keep you awake, though, right? I think they are, yes. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we're here today to talk about your band Pterodactyl Problems. From what I can see, you guys actually originally formed the band a few years ago, and this is the second run with the band, so... What was the first formation like? How did you guys end up meeting each other, and where did things sort of end up? Um, well, we all met back in some, whatever year we were all in middle school. Uh, I think it was like grade seven for us, 2012, I think. Uh, yeah, we all went to like a hippy-dippy alternative school, and we needed people to play music with, uh, and they, we were the ones who were there, so... We started playing music, and we sort of we sort of wrote some songs together and started a bit of a band. Um, and you know, as all middle school bands do, we played the talent show, which was <laughs> horrifying. We still have footage. Uh, yeah, and then Kieran and I, the bassist, we ended up going to, to a different school for high school than uh, Jack and Oliver. So we kind of went our separate ways, and then we uh, met up again a couple of years ago, and. We re-recorded our we re-recorded an old EP, and then we decided we kind of liked working together, and it was fun, so we kept at it. Wow! So you guys actually formed back in middle school, and unlike a lot of people, where their high school talent show middle school bands really don't end up going much further than that. You guys ended up after because of the high school situation, were forced apart, but afterwards, just through music ended up finding each other again yeah yeah it's true i, I think my m the grand trajectory of my life happens to do that to me a lot like it reintroduces people who i used to know and people that i used to like be close with back into my life so yeah it was kind of a fun surprise being uh being back with these these lovely folks and stuff it's, it's funny how uh time can be cyclical like that yeah for sure yeah hmm. So, back in middle school, did you guys find that you had such an eclectic taste of music back then? Because I find, like, in, through my research and through listening to the music, there seems to be that meld of a heavy style and that softer rock style, which seems to 
fit very well together. No, oh, thank you. I think, well, like Jack, Jack the lead guitarist and Oliver the drummer, they're, they're definitely coming to the band with some like heavier influences and some more metal uh, and some more like heavy rock. Uh, I mean, I do listen to some, but it's sort of like 90s grungy stuff. Like I really like Pearl Jam uh, and all that kind of stuff. And then Oliver, I mean, sorry, Kieran is like a bit of a music nerd. I don't know how to say it. Uh, like likes a lot of different stuff, but likes it, you know, like some Cole Porter, some jazz. She's obsessed with Jacob Collier right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when we met up, we I think we were more cohesive than we are now. Okay. But back then, we were like, we could get together and play some like basic rock music because that was all we knew how to play, really, or all I knew how to play. And now things, I think, have changed a little bit, perhaps for the better. So. Oh, I, I would think so. So the first EP that you guys ended up releasing was actually songs that you had written back in that initial run in middle school. Yeah, man. Yeah. There were oh, four, wow. well, three, three of them. Yeah, three of them were old ones, and then this, the new one was Spreading Fear that we wrote for the EP. Okay, so in between that time, what were you doing musically? Uh, I was doing musical theater. Uh, that was like the majority of what I was doing. And I was doing some sort of singer-songwriter stuff as well because I enjoy strumming an acoustic guitar and singing words. That's a party. Um, <laughs> but but it was mostly, yeah, like performance, musical theater, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and the, yeah, I was doing that with Kieran as well, who, was, who went to the same school as me, like doing like strings and stuff like that playing some viola and then jack and oliver they they had a band and they still have a, a band going with the two of them uh what's it, what is it death metal what is it death metal it's a death metal band <laughs> oh wow yeah so so yeah that's what we were doing in the meantime so we definitely like went in different directions for sure but still in the end those two different directions end up meeting and melding once again back in 2017 yeah, who doesn't like some death metal musical theater, right, Colton? Uh, right? I, uh, I'm a huge fan of the idea. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think most people who have ever like seen Iron Maiden live just realize just how much theatrics go into that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. If you're if you're doing something like that and you want to make it good, you gotta you gotta go big. You gotta go theatrical. Yeah, and that's something that definitely I can see through some of the live videos that you guys have posted, is you definitely try and bring a lot of stage presence to your live show as well. A lot of no standing still, a lot of trying to make sure that you're engaging the crowd at all moments. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we sort of like, um, like we're all kind of relaxed folks. Uh, but I think we decided a while ago that we didn't want to all wear black on stage and play like our our heavy rock and roll. I think we're we're all kind of bored with that. I mean, Jack definitely still likes it because Jack wears all black. But we but we love Jack. He's a guitar god. You know what I mean? Like everybody has to do what they do. But yeah, we we have fun. We we want to give people a a, a show because otherwise they can just listen to a record. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's okay. They they don't have to come. But if, if they want to be like. Ooh, this is this is fucking cool. They should come see us live. 
Well, exactly. And if you're just standing there playing the music, they might as well just listen to it home at home because then they don't have the annoyance of everybody there. If you're moving and you're enjoying the show just as much as everybody else, why shouldn't they? Amen. Yes, agreed. We try to we try to share that. Okay, so coming into esoteric hobbies off of the self-titled, like we said, the self-titled EP was a lot of songs that you wrote in middle school, maybe the musical talents or maybe the musical ideas, themes and ideas, maybe a little more limited, maybe a little less, little more restricted, just based on the time and where you're at at that point in life, being in school, having so many other things going on. So yeah. what was the difference going into esoteric hobbies after you guys have had so many years to evolve as musicians? Hmm. Good question. What was the difference? Well, I think, I think we all knew, like, the really nice thing was before we were happy playing sort of like, how, how would you say, the, the pop music of rock music? You know what I mean? Like, you're kind of the sim- simpler stuff, the more listenable stuff. And I think when we all came back together, we realized that we were good enough as individuals to come together and make something sort of wacky and awesome. Um, and still like still listenable, but like out there that it enough that it catches people off guard sometimes and that it sort of delights and surprises like us for sure. That's where we started uh, just making ourselves happy. So I think it was mostly just having some confidence in ourselves as individuals coming back here and being like experimenting with the, the sort of ideas that we'd gained uh, individually in our time in our different fields and stuff. Yeah, that and I mean, Jack. Jack gained like a huge amount of knowledge about like, uh, like the recording process and stuff, and you know, tone shaping for guitars. Um, like everybody, yeah, everybody just has, had gotten a lot better, and I think we were willing to put ourselves out there more this time. No, definitely, because the evolution between the two albums, the like Seth self-titled, definitely still good, but Esoteric Hobbies, like. It just catches you. It grabs you. The riffs on the songs just pull you in. The choruses just like are groovy. It's it's an entirely different monster. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really uh, that the recording process and 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 uh, everything to do with esoteric hobbies was sort of rushed, and it was really us putting the pedal to the metal and uh, what's it called the axe head to the grindstone and mm-hmm. just making it happen. Um, and I really like it, and I'm looking forward to the next record taking our time a little bit more with it um, okay. and stuff. But I, but I am really happy with how it came out, yeah. So how many of the songs off of this album were tracks that you guys had crafted beforehand and brought in? How many of them were... like? Do you mean like as a band, like how many of them were were songs that we all played together. Um, yeah, because you guys had some time in between hand. So maybe some of these, like I'm saying, like were some of these songs something that you had written in between hand and then realized maybe these would sound better in a full band setting, whereas now going into this next album, you have more of an opportunity to write as a full band? Yeah, for sure. So, so I think you might be able to tell which songs are which just by listening to them. All the songs that start with a uh, big fat, chunky riff, those were basically songs we wrote together. And if it started <laughs> with, like, some wimpy guitar, 
it was probably a song that I had written previously and brought to the band. Like, I think that's pretty fair, right? Yeah, I think that's, yeah. They're agreeing with me. They're all here. (laughs) They're all standing and listening to me talk to you. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, say hi to the band for me. Hey, guys. Hi. Oh, hello. So you're saying a a song like Constellations was probably something that you brought in after like from you brought beforehand but songs like paresthesia and protest were songs that you guys crafted together uh yes you're right about uh the first two protest was a song i wrote acoustically uh originally so i guess actually now that you say it that is the the one i think that is the only thing that falls outside of what i said um oh and and jack wrote slideshow but that but that counts as it was written before the record Oh, no, it was written for the record. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Protest and Slideshow are the only uh, outliers. But, uh, yeah, you pretty much nailed it. All right. So let's take uh, the studio of EH. So EH was produced by Jeff Hodsman. What did he have to bring to the process of this album? Jeff Hodsman is the fucking man. Uh, we need him back in our life. He's a he's a very busy individual with a beautiful family, and for the for the record, he he recorded, he mixed, and he mastered the oh, whole wow. thing. And he oh, and he also I mean he produced for sure, because um, I don't think you can do those three things without producing. I don't think it's possible that you can like sit there without saying anything. You know what I mean? Um, especially with a bunch of jackasses like us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a, it was like a fast process. How long did it take for drums? How many days? It took two days to record drums for the entire album because Oliver is a, Oliver is a wizard. And then it took us like a, a while more for guitars and bass and then vocals I did on myself, like basically at home with this piece of shit, like hundred dollar microphone. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. And I only realized, get this, I only realized at the end of recording every single track, I like looked up what it was and people were like, this is a piece of shit. And I was like, oh fuck, I recorded the entire album on a piece of shit. Anyways, um, but can you tell? I mean, I can tell sometimes there's some like, um, some S's and some T's in there that hurt my ears. But I mean, mm. overall, it was okay. And, and Jeff, Jeff really um, brought some really good stuff out of us. And he he was he was super supportive and good and and helpful in being like figuring out who should play what and making everybody feel really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's a really funny, super easygoing guy. And if anybody has uh, thousands of dollars to drop on an album to pay somebody to help them with it, they should pay Jeff Hotsman because he's great. <laughs> Glowing review for sure and. Yeah, definitely that. I'm sure there's limitations to using the microphone as well but there's definitely points in the album where I'm sure that the like way that the album sounds helps it especially like that break in paresthesia just before like the solo kicks in it's I feel like where you guys like where you jump in with that kill yourself it I feel like that like I feel like the microphone maybe helps in moments like that where the energy you can really feel it. Yeah, that's true. It definitely it definitely has like a very particular sound that mm-hmm. that did I for sure made the album sort of sound like what it is vocally. All right. Now that we've gotten a little bit of a behind the scenes look at the recording process of the album, I want to dive a little bit into some of the songs on the album, some of the singles that you 
have released so far off of esoteric hobbies, but of course, before we get there, I actually want to spin another track off of that album before we get into those details, and before we do that, I want to take a small break just to, you know, pay a few bills, take care of a little bit of business, but don't worry, we're going to be getting back into things right away very soon, and First off, before we get there, I want to go ahead and tell the listeners, that's right, you guys, of the Desert Tiger podcast about ILoveDTP.com. And that is because ILoveDTP.com is the place where you are going to go ahead and get yourself decked out in the latest and greatest of Desert Tiger podcast merch so that you can rep the show every single place you go, in front of your friends, in front of your family, and hell, even in front of your enemies, because they can't stop you from chasing your dreams and from supporting the Desert Tiger podcast. Oh, well, you do so, and the best part about it is, is when you go ahead and get that t-shirt from ilovedtp.com, the proceeds go straight back into growing the show that you love, the Desert Tiger Podcast. It's a win-win situation for everyone involved, so why not go ahead and grab yourself something from ILoveDTP.com. New items coming very soon, possibly even a two-year anniversary sale. Oh, keep your eyes open over at ILoveDTP.com. I also want to take a quick moment to discuss with you, the listeners of the Desert Tiger Podcast, about X, Y, and Z. Do you love the flavor of X, but wish it had the healthy benefits of Y? Well, all at the same time having the nice, easy, going down texture of Z? Well, let me tell you about XYZ, because if you haven't figured it out yet, it's a clever way of me saying that your ad could go here in this spot and possibly be heard by thousands of people across North America and heck, even maybe a few other places in the world. So, you know, why don't you go ahead and email me over at desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com and we can go ahead and discuss those details and how your product can be heard by all of the listeners of the Desert Tiger Podcast. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I think it's about time we gave another track a spin off of Pterodactyl Problems' latest full-length album, that of course being Esoteric Hobbies. And of course, it's a track you're going to be hearing more about very soon once we continue this conversation with Davey and the rest of the team over at Pterodactyl Problems. And of course, it's something that you can hear when you go and check out Pterodactyl Problems at Rock and Roll is a Drag. Maybe it's one of those tracks that's going to get you hyped up, going to get you going, bouncing off the walls, going a little bit crazy because crazy wants what crazy wants and crazy knows what crazy knows and i'm not sure if you agree but now i know crazy Look away, I saw 
So let's talk about some of the tracks off of this album. Let's talk about the one of the songs that we were actually just talking about, Paresthesia. What does it mean to you and the rest of the band? Ah, that's a good question. Wait, can I, can I ask you a quick, quick question? It's Colton, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I know the name. I just want to make sure I wasn't going to fuck up the pronunciation. Um, no worries. Yeah, uh, it was a song that I, I mean, I wrote most of the lyrics for the band um, okay. and the riff. The riff was sort of, uh, it was brought originally by Jack, and we all helped instrument and orchestrate. Orchestrate is probably the wrong word. Arrange the song. Uh, and I wrote it about um, a friend. Uh, originally, it was about a, written about a friend of mine who I respect greatly and I think is an incredible person uh, and, it, you know, struggles with certain things, and, and it was sort of about her. And then sort of as I wrote, wrote it, I started to realize that it was probably more about me than them. 
um, mm-hmm. as so many of the songs I write sort of happen to be. So yeah, it's connected to her, and it's connected to sort of this like this feeling of powerlessness, powerlessness and sorrow that I sometimes experience over people who are in tough situations. Um, and sometimes I'm in those tough situations. So I think it's sort of written about that and, and for like to honor that in mm. whatever way I can. So it was written as a song about somebody else, but then you realized that you were actually writing about yourself using that individual as an expression. Uh, yeah, cool. I'd, I'd say that's that. That's about it. It, yeah, it's sometimes that's what happens. Yeah. No worries. So another song that actually deals with the uh, trying to deal with people and seeking out damaged people and whatnot is crazy. So I actually have found in the past that I've had a problem with doing that too, where maybe dedicating a little bit too much time towards trying to seek out damaged people and trying to help them when they don't want to help themselves. Mm, yes, that is so so fucking relatable, my dude. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's something I struggle with, and it's something a lot of the people in this band struggle with. It, possibly everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know that that's put me in some very awkward situations. So has that put you in any uh, awkward, hilarious situations yourself? Any awkward man? Awkward for sure. Hilarious only occasionally. Hmm trying to take care of people sometimes for sure sometimes my brain tells me that people like are really struggling and really need help like like my current my current girlfriend she she's somebody who's like very grounded in stuff and my brain just so often tells me that she's like on the brink of some sort of like terrible thing and so sometimes it goes on high alert and then she's like oh we want to get some food or whatever and then I realize how ridiculous I'm being but nothing like, <laughs> nothing like, uh, nothing like wacky. I don't think okay. uh, has ever happened. I don't know. Maybe somebody else has a wacky thing, but uh. <laughs> definitely that song has a very uh, sick ending as well. Freaking very rock and roll, very heavy, very catchy as well. In very oh, good cool. mosh out moment. Thanks, man. Yeah, well, yeah, I like that one. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So something that you've been playing this album with and something that you started earlier in the year and something that you guys are actually going to be starting here in August. This episode itself is going to release in September. So you maybe if you're in Toronto, you've missed the first one. What are you doing? Go up and hit the second one. You guys are doing an event called Rock and Roll is a Drag. So tell me a little bit more about this. All right. So here's the fucking deal. Here's the fucking deal. God damn it. This is a goddamn deal. Uh, so first, it, we, we got, it's a Sunday night show. Last Sunday of every month. That's what we're doing. Um, we start with a half an hour set from a cool local or out-of-town band that we think is uh, going to pump the place up. We got, they got the set. And then we have two drag queens coming in that are backed up by yours truly, Pterodactyl Problems. We play some fucking rock and roll for them to lip sync to. Uh, they, they, they each have about, I think, about a half an hour set, like intermittent because, you know, dancing really hard for four songs in a row is like incredibly exhausting and understandable why they don't want to do it because it would be so sweaty. Oh, and also costs 
changes, of course. So yeah, they go back and forth and stuff, and they have that's about an hour, and then uh, and then we close out the night, Pterodactyl Problems, with a, an original set for like 30 minutes, and then we have a DJ girl DJ for the rest of the night, just spinning some some funky tunes and shit. Oh yeah. wow! So not only are you inclusive in tunes of the different ways of music and everything else that's being represented but it's also inclusive of different mindsets and different backgrounds yeah sir yeah yeah we uh yeah we really i mean we do some drag stuff ourselves on stage and shit like that and um drag queens are dope as hell a lot of the time so it's kind of cool that we get to be on stage with them and work with them oh Um, usually super cool people who are very dedicated to their performance yeah, yeah, I know. Like working their ass off all the time. So like, yeah, it's just so much work. Like I, <laughs> as a musician, I have so much respect for it. Mm-hmm, definitely. And something that you have done with your own stage show is done a little bit of drag. So I can see how that gives you that extra level of appreciation for the performance that they put in. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely do some sort of like... I'm, I'm, I don't want to put myself down, but some sort of like glamier, a little bit more simplistic drag than a lot of queens do, which is okay. I, I like it. Like that's the stuff that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, still feels like I'm up on stage, uh, but it is it is so cool to see them work and stuff like that. Well, yeah. definitely. And trying to play a full set, it would be hard to manage the costume changes and everything that would be involved to try and do it fully you say so i mean you're definitely doing what you can within the realm when you decide to yes this is very true yeah i know that when when we get to play stadiums that's when we'll start doing costume changes uh but for (laughs) now we'll keep it simple until then jack oliver and siren are definitely going to have to work on their fills so that you can work on the costume changes in between exactly that's exactly the plan yeah (laughs) for sure so i've seen in some videos that you play dressed as a man and some shows you play dressed as a woman so what goes into that decision is it a something that you plan ahead of time is this something that you're feeling the day of and you decide to go for hmm that is a good question i mean i think uh um I mean, I, I, depending on the show, sometimes I will plan it ahead of time. Like if I know if there's something specific I have in mind, but oftentimes I'll just kind of open my wardrobe or my drawer of things that I like wearing on stage and I'll kind of pick a few things out. And if it happens to be feminine, it happens to be feminine. And if it's masculine, I, I can roll with that too. I think like, I think generally I'm wearing feminine stuff on stage a lot of the time you know, for a number of reasons, for like image reasons, but also because it's it's just a different thing to see on stage, which is part of what we want to do. We want to show th- people things that they're not used to. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It is it's pretty it's pretty whimsical and it's pretty spur of the moment. Well, and it also continues to um, support that idea of individuality because, like we've said, Jack likes to dress in his black and do his thing while at the same time, it's completely okay for someone else to be doing something completely different at the same stage, but both worlds can completely work together. It's true, yes, yeah. And we, we I think we fought that for a while and we tried, like uh, some people we worked with, they tried to make our image a little more cohesive? Co- 
coherent. Uh, and then we were like, no, this isn't going to work. So we went with the sporadic, like wacky kind of stuff, which I, which is just who we are, right? As you say, like it's the individual stuff. It's it's what we love to do, and like we don't really want to forsake that just just so we can kind of look like the the version of the band all in black, but instead we're all in like wacky colors. Like we don't we don't care enough to do that. So yeah, awesome, definitely. Is there any? plans to bring this wacky powerful incredible stage show to the road at any point uh do you mean uh, rock and roll the drag specifically um well even just pterodactyl problems on the tour itself but i mean even if you guys could somehow pull that off i'm sure that would be accepted and supported by many communities as well I, I think you're right. I think we we've we're in the we're in the works for figuring out an East Coast tour right now, like Ooh. East Coast Canada mostly. But um, because getting into the states is a process. Unfortunately, we wish it was slightly easier, but there's some visa stuff involved. So may, that might be another time, or it might be this tour. But yeah, we're uh, we're working on stuff, and we're gonna be going to Montreal. Was it September? End of October to actually do a few shows and to do a rock and roll as a drag show there in Montreal. So uh, oh, if wow. anybody's in town for that, please come. I'm sure there will be some sort of like craziest outfit prize. prize? I think there's going to be one in, uh, in Toronto too in September. So if you come, you are encouraged to be yourself, but be the most out there fun version of yourself that you want to explore uh, with, together with us. So um, yeah, come come to the show in Toronto. Come see us in Montreal. Come to the tour on the East Coast. Uh, we'll we'll be there. Awesome, definitely, and I definitely suggest that people go out and support it. Even if you plan on traveling through Toronto and just so happen to see that you're going to be there on that date, why not make it part of your travels? It's one of those memories. I'm sure you're not going to be able to get very many other places. I, I yeah, I mean I think. You should. If people are in town, come out, see us, and come talk to us because we'd like to think we're a nice bunch of bunch of folks. So, yeah. <laughs> so we mentioned earlier that you guys are working together to craft what is next, the next release for the pterodactyl problemas. So, what is that process at right now, and how has it been like? Uh, so our next. The next record, which is untitled currently, um, where um, we've been working on demoing some stuff. We've been applying for uh, grants here uh, to to record the album. Which oh no, there's a dog. Sorry. No worries. We love dogs. Yeah, yeah. We've been applying a grant, and we've been demoing stuff, and we're gonna keep doing that until we get money for the the album because we will get money for the album because we believe in ourselves. Um, uh, and it, I don't know, it's been good. We're, we're all getting restless to write it for sure because, you know, f- for people who get to hear the album, like that, or albums that artists put out, they've already been dealing with that album for a year before the, the consumers or the listeners get to hear it. So, like, by the time we did our release party in March, um, we were already, like, over it. Like, no, we like the album, we like the songs, but we were like, we need to get into the studio, and we need to start recording again. So um, we're pretty restless to get in, but we just got to get that, uh, get those grants first, get the songs all demoed, and uh, 
and we'll be flying. Oh, definitely. And if some of those Canadian musicians who are listening don't know about the grants, maybe they should start looking into them because having the possibility of up to half of your project covered is huge and definitely you need to build a repertoire before you're able to get accepted for that as well Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, but i but even if even if you're like an up-and-coming group even if you're starting off definitely just check it out because there's like the factor grants in ontario specifically they they're like big players but i mean like there's more grants than that uh take a look see what's out there because people will give you money because they want you to do art and Take advantage of that if you can. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Almost every province has a program of their own to help musicians in their own areas create art that they can help push. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about pterodactyl problems. I have one more question for you before we go, but before we do that, where can the listeners find out more about pterodactyl problems? Uh, I mean, everything we touch goes on our website at pterodactylproblems.com. Uh, that's pterodactyl with a P and then a T, um, as every pterodactyl truly is. Uh, sorry. And we're pterodactyl problems on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, on every sort of music streaming service there is. And then I think we're pterodactyl band on Twitter, but we don't use Twitter, so don't follow us there. <laughs> yeah. fair enough for sure all right so last question earlier you mentioned that you guys maybe had been fighting embracing who you were in the individuality and everything else maybe there's somebody listening right now who has having a little bit of trouble embracing who they are maybe not on a stage role but maybe within their own life do you have a message for that person? Um, man. Like, good, good luck. Um, and they're, it, it's, it's sort of tough to find the people sometimes, but there are the people out there who will, like, see you and hear you and be fine with who you are and like who will you will love and who will love you you just have to find those people and if they're not around you right now that's really hard and i'm and i'm sorry but if you look for them you will find the people to be you know the ones who accept you the ones who can be your new family you'll find them wow thank you party Party! <laughs> All right, once again, thank you so much for joining me here today on the Desert Tiger Podcast to talk all things pterodactyl problems. Yeah, no worries, Colton. Uh, thanks for having us. And with that, we are coming near the end of another exciting episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast. But don't worry, of course we have more episodes coming your way, and I'm going to be letting you know what's coming on next week's episode very soon. But before we get there, I need to give one last huge shout out, a big old Desert Tiger thank you 
to Davey and the rest of the crew in Pterodactyl Problems for joining me here on today's episode of the podcast to tell me all things about the band, their latest album, Esoteric Hobbies, and of course, rock and roll is a drag. Which, of course, if you're one of the listeners of the podcast and you live in the Toronto area, or maybe you plan on traveling through Toronto in the near future, maybe you want to see if you can fit Rock and Roll is a Drag into your upcoming schedule. It happens on the last Sunday of every single month. And of course, right now, that means that September the 29th, it's going to be going down. October the 27th, it's going to be going down. And every other last Sunday after that, you know what's happening down at the hideout in Toronto. That is, of course, rock and roll is a drag. And this month, September the 29th, Pterodactyl Problems will be joined by a fellow band, Strange Breed, by DJ Girl DJ, and of course by Drag Queens Aro Nova and Kurt Cumstain. That's right, it is going to be the most happening party going on in the TO on September the 29th, possibly within the entire month of September, because that's how they roll. Of course, I also have to go ahead and thank Eric Alper for setting up this interview. Thank you, Eric, for another amazing guest, another amazing conversation here on the Desert Tiger Podcast. You know that Eric has been helping us out a whole lot in the last two years. They've been been running things, and I couldn't be more excited for this partnership. Hopefully, I get to meet Eric in the near future when I go down to Toronto. Maybe I'll also meet Pterodactyl Problems. Who knows what the future holds? Maybe beautiful things. And of course, talking about beautiful things, I should probably go ahead and thank you, the listeners of the Desert Tiger Podcast, for tuning in to today's episode of the show. Maybe you're new. Maybe it's your first time tuning into the Desert Tiger Podcast. Maybe... You want to consider going ahead and hitting that follow or subscribe button on whatever service you happen to be tuning into the show on, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever your poison is, hopefully Desert Tiger is about to become a staple in your listening pleasures. And of course, maybe you've been here for a while. Maybe you've been here from the beginning. Maybe you joined somewhere midway along the road. No matter where you joined the Desert Tiger podcast, I am so excited that you've joined. And I please ask that maybe you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and maybe leave a five-star review for the show. Five-star review for the show helps us get onto the charts. It helps us get in front of new eyes. It helps us get bigger and better guests for the show. It is a win-win for both of us. Why not go ahead and go give Desert Tiger Podcast a five-star review today? Maybe you enjoyed what you heard on today's episode of the show so much that you want to go ahead and consider sharing the episode on your social media, your Twitter, your Instagram stories, maybe your Facebook, or maybe you enjoyed the episode so much that you want to go ahead and tell somebody about it in person. 
I would be so ecstatic if you went ahead and shared this episode with somebody who you think would enjoy it just as much as you did, or possibly more. And maybe while you're doing so, maybe you want to go ahead and rep the Desert Tiger podcast with a t-shirt that you went ahead and picked up at ilovedtp.com so that you can rep the show everywhere you go, in front of your friends, in front of your family, and hell, even in front of your enemies, because we know that they can't stop you from chasing your story, building your mountain, finding your glory. That's right, baby. It's a beautiful process, and trust in the process. And one thing that has been a process has been the last two years of building Desert Tiger. Something that started as an idea for me when I had a broken wrist. It's been two years since we've started the podcast and a lot of things have happened and a lot of things are continuing to change, expand, and happen in the future. So next week we are going to be starting with a recap of the last two years of Desert Tiger. That's right, we are nearing our two-year anniversary, and we're going to be dedicating the next two weeks of the podcast to highlighting not only my favorite moments, but also your favorite moments from the last two years of the Desert Tiger podcast. So if you have a favorite moment that you would like to see highlighted, go ahead and email me at desert.tiger.com podcast at gmail.com or you can message us on any of our social media platforms on which you can probably find us at desert tiger podcast or desert tiger entertainment or you can go ahead and find me myself colton g or colton geschwantner it's pretty easy to find i'm kind of the only one so you can go ahead and message me with your favorite moments and maybe they will make the show all right but until then until the recap There's still another week to go. So why don't you go out there? Chase your dreams. Go achieve something. Try something new. Build your mountain. Climb to the top. Enjoy the breeze. And find your glory. All right. Bye-bye.